Welcome back to the On Growth Podcast. I'm Josh Lidgard, one of the founders at Kickoff Labs. We make it quick and easy to set up viral giveaways, referrals, sweepstakes programs that help you grow your business online. Today, I'm talking to Andy from Gambit Games. Gambit Games is in the middle of running the second phase of their launch competition for an online sports fantasy contest where you can play to earn crypto online. So far, they've collected over 85,000 leads following some of the simple best practices and consistently engaging their audience with the Kickoff Labs launch mechanics. Keep listening to learn how. As always, if you enjoy the show, don't forget to click subscribe and rate us in your favorite podcasting app. Let's get on with it. Welcome back to the uh, On Growth Podcast. Uh, my name is Josh Legard. With me today is Andy Magnus. He's the head of marketing for Gambit Games. They are a tokenized fantasy sports company, and they're in the middle of doing their doing their launch campaign uh, with Kickoff Labs and launching their beta and getting people onto the beta of the of the game. Um, before we dive into that, I kind of want to ask you, you know, what is your background? What led you to this space? You know, heading into Gambit Games. Are you technical? Are you more business side? You know, where do you come from? Sure. Um, so I've been working in the sports industry for about 10 years, uh, mostly on the sports uh, gaming and fantasy sports and sports betting side. Uh, prior to Gambit Games, I worked with Superdraft, which was uh, Caesars Rewards' uh, daily fantasy product. Uh, before that, I worked at The Athletic, which is a popular uh, sports publication, uh, subscription sports publication. And before that, I worked... Uh, with Tropicana Sportsbook and with uh, Winview Games, which is an online uh, uh, sports uh, prop betting platform. So what brought me to this space was uh, the the daily fantasy and sports betting industry, especially in America, is pretty saturated. And with a lot of the new uh, Web3 and, and crypto um, uh, components that are you know really being developed and being brought to the world. This was a chance to bring fantasy sports to markets that have never really seen it, but have shown you know um, a, a bigger and bigger interest in sports, in things like the NBA, in things like soccer, European football, and things like that. So Gambit Games really allows us to bring fantasy sports to you know places like Asia Pacific, places like South America that necessarily that haven't necessarily been exposed to it the way America has. So, so talking about that from somebody who's like, I've played some fantasy sports before, like I've been involved in some leagues, like I've done some drafts and like that kind of stuff on the line. So what does crypto bring to fantasy sports that like you don't get, like maybe if you're just doing it on your own or with a group of friends or like at a, like, like getting into the daily fantasies with like the casinos and their books? Yeah. So, um, when you think about fantasy in America, you're thinking about seasonal fantasy, which are leagues with your friends. And then you think about daily fantasy, which exists mostly because there was a carve out in gambling law that allowed for fantasy seasons. And some genius a few years back realized what if a season was a day long and the daily fantasy industry was born. What crypto allows us to do is create a component of ownership in daily fantasy like contests. So. When you're drafting a daily fantasy team, your lineup goes in, and then when that contest is over, that lineup's gone forever, and you either win your prize or you lose your entry fee. With us, you're purchasing uh, tokenized athletes, we call them athlete tokens, and you're entering those into lineups, and you're buying and selling and trading those assets, um, and you have ownership over them. And you can you know, play for uh, uh, crypto prizes in the contest, or you can just really invest well in those athletes themselves. And, that tokenization of fantasy sports is what makes our platform really, really unique in the space right now. Cool. So, just 
help me uh, see if I've got this right. So, like in a traditional sort of like fantasy sports draft outside of crypto, like I might draft a player for the season, and I would or like trade, but they're the trades are enforced by the value that like somebody else, like the league puts on the person, like the fantasy league puts on the person. That's how what that person's value is. Like if I'm using them in a trade or something else. In this case, you're saying because it's a, you're tokenizing the athletes, the market in that league itself is what's determining the value of that asset because there's a limited number of them and like you want to own the higher value ones and you're letting the market drive the value of that asset. Well, there's an unlimited number of these of these tokenized athletes, but their value is driven by how valuable they are in daily fantasy contests. So if LeBron James is having an excellent week, his value is going to go up because a lot more people want to enter him into these contests. And so mm-hmm. while I can, you know, I can have LeBron, you can have LeBron, everyone in our contest can have LeBron. Different people are going to be able to uh, afford LeBron based on how much uh, of our token gambit they have in the system and how much they're willing to spend on that specific athlete. Okay. So you're using the tokens to buy and sell the tokenized athletes? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Okay. Got it. Um, And so this is a, I mean, this is a really neat space, like taking, like you said, taking crypto. So you mentioned that it it introduces this fantasy sports league to different markets that didn't exist in before. Can you explain to me how that's the case? Like, why does it, how does it get into a different market than they were in before? Absolutely. So uh, one big phenomenon of uh, crypto in the Web3 space in the Asia Pacific region has been a category known as play to earn, where um, users are basically able to play video games and earn crypto while while doing so based on their engagement, based on the tokenomics that work within those platforms. And what that does is it creates a pathway to accessibility for um, an audience that might not necessarily be able to afford these types of fantasy contests as they currently exist in you know in America and your and in Europe. And so when you look at uh, when you look at our platform, or sorry, when you look at a traditional daily fantasy, it might cost ten dollars, twenty dollars to enter a contest. That's going to price a lot of people out in in countries like India and countries like. Indonesia, um, you know, Philippines, places like that. And so we've created a free ramp for people to play to earn, um, accumulate a lot more of our cryptocurrency in their accounts and ultimately access a lot of these larger prizes without necessarily having a huge upfront cost. So the barrier to entry is a lot less. And for right now, it's actually free. Cool. Um, so how long have you guys, uh, how long were you guys working on the platform before you got to the point of running the launch campaign? So how long has the platform been in development, I guess I'm asking? So we had an alpha um, platform that was a very limited private release that went out around the NBA playoffs from April 2022 to uh, uh, to June 2022 when the NBA finals were. Um, it took about four months to kind of get to that point, and we took a lot of the lessons that we had from that initial campaign, reworked our uh, game, and then launched our beta product a few weeks ago for the launch of European uh, football, you know, soccer in America. Um, and the game's completely different. It's a lot more simple. It's a lot more easy to play, easy to understand, and it really focuses a lot more on a smaller group of tokenized athletes so people can really understand the ownership component. So, um, so then talk to me 
about what made you guys decide to do a waitlist campaign? Well, it's one of the best ways to um, attract a lot of people that are willing to put in some engagement for crypto rewards. Uh, we've seen that with a bunch of different, uh, a, a bunch of different platforms, a bunch of different projects out there, and our alpha campaign was actually through uh, through a waitlist as well. And we wanted to, you know, get a tool that uh, helped us get you know tangible users there's a lot of fraud and a lot of bots in the space while also incentivizing a few different uh, actions that were really important to us as we built this campaign all right and then um how did you find kickoff labs uh we looked at around 15 different tools and based on a combination of uh, of price scalability because we knew we were going to scale this uh, campaign pretty large and the features that we were looking for you know kickoff labs was uh, was clear choice all right. So when you guys set up the campaign, the way you set it up in Kickoff Labs that I'm seeing, you have a fairly simple landing page on gambitgames.com. Um, it's a kind of a one pager. You've got a link to your app. I guess you do have a link to a fact page. Um, you've got a fact page there and then a how to play page as well um, from, from there. And then otherwise, it's your social accounts, uh, your social accounts like Discord, Twitter, you're linking to those. Um, and then you just say, and I'll have a screenshot in this, but I'm going to read it for the sake of the podcast audience. Um, <laughs> own your fantasy team, play contests to earn crypto. Uh, Euro football launches soon with a 400,000 plus uh, Gambit airdrop. Um, and so did you guys test like that headline? Have you done, is that just like, what came out of the like what came out like the first thing you guys set up the page like this is what we wanted to say how did you arrive on like the main headline on the page so uh we did a lot of competitive research uh and we also have uh we're, we're part of Superlayer, which is a uh, web3 venture studio so we have a lot of data from the other projects under Superlayer. and so what we uh what we did was took a look at what worked what what hasn't worked in the space in similar style waitlists and then formulated around our specific product offering, our value propositions, and that's what we ended up landing on. All right. And then um, for people that don't understand, um, if you could explain it simply, like what does it mean to say the football season launches with this uh, 400,000 Gambit airdrop? So uh, Gambit, as I mentioned, is the uh, in-app currency. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a cryptocurrency that's gonna be listed, uh, we're hoping by the end of the year, but you know, close to when we go uh when we drop the beta and go full public launch and so the airdrop is allocations that we give to different waves of users that were inviting into our beta so the first wave got 75 gambit uh each the second wave got uh 50 gambit and the third wave which is going out right now is getting 40 gambit and how many people are you onboarding in each wave as you're going um, it varies. One of the reasons why we use Kickoff Labs, and you know, one of the things that we're really enjoying the most is we're taking a look at a lot of the the different uh, contest scores as ways to validate not only you know whether or not they're real people or not, but the engagement that we expect them to have in the app. And mm -hmm. you know, we have a pretty complex economy with these different athlete tokens going up and down. We wanted to stress test a lot of those uh, different mechanics with smaller groups and then open them out. So. Our first group was around 2,500 uh, invites. Our second group was around 20,000. And then we're letting it open a little bit further um, as we, as we you know, get more interest in the European Football League and as we start you know, uh, getting more you know, referrals from our existing users. And has that method of seeing if their engagement in the waitlist campaign um, 
in terms of seeing if that means there'll be sort of engagement as well in the um, in the actual app in the game. Um, has that proven to be a true metric for you guys? Um, it's definitely helped. I'd say that you know we've seen like the term doubles really come up a lot when we've uh, been looking at the analytics. But when we did our alpha campaign, which was also a wait list, we let in a lot more people at once and we hadn't really tightened up our funnel as much. And so the product sampling rate, so people that register to actually entering contests, pretty much doubled uh, from our alpha to our beta because we were really gating and taking a look a lot closer at the users coming in. Um, the retention has also, you know, so far it's still pretty early, but the retention has been, you know, much better because we've been, you know, gating the initial group of users and then making sure that we're plugging some of the, you know, onboarding funnel holes as we start letting more and more users in. So it's definitely been working out a lot better for us to kind of let in these different tranches or waves as we're uh, opening up our beta, uh, understanding our product a little more, understanding, you know, the different user stories and how users are interacting with our product and then tightening up the funnel as we, you know, continue to allow more and more people in. Mm -hmm. So is what you described sort of what I would define as a like an activation rate of people like they join, they accept your invite and then they participate in a, in a contest in Gambit, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we've seen uh, we've seen similar in the first couple of weeks, similar average contests per user that we saw over the entire 14 weeks of the NBA playoffs. So that activation rate is great. The engagement rate is great. And as I mentioned, that just really leads to a great retention rate so far. Um, are those numbers you can share in terms of what the activation rate is? This is a question I get all the time in terms of what what people what percentage of people from a wait list are going to activate on an app. I, I can tell you I get great numbers from people who are doing like a product campaign, like a physical product. I'm curious sure. about the app side of things. I mean, we're still also, you know, validating and measuring these numbers. You know, we're, we just yep. launched our beta. Um, so uh, those are numbers we're ready to share right now. But, you know, as as we start, you know, fine tuning that, uh, you know, I'm sure there's stuff that we can share in the future. Cool. Um, but you're happy with the rates is what I'm saying, is what I'm hearing. Uh, so far, yes. I mean, I'd say that, uh, we'd like to, you know, see a much better invite the sign up rate, but once people are signing up, those, those real users have proven to be real. They've proven to be very active and engaged and, you know, we're, uh, exploring a few other tactics to kind of increase that invite the sign up rate, like, uh, you know, social retargeting ads and things like that. You know, one of the best parts about Kickoff Labs is we were able to get PII right off the bat, and that allows us to at least create a few other campaigns, create a few other uh, ways and channels of retargeting them, getting the message in front of them if our emails aren't working. So when you invite them, are you sending them into like, a, are you just sending like a one email? Or are they then in a series of emails until they activate the account? So how does that, how did you set that up? This is one of those outside of Kickoff Labs process that people are always sure. curious about. Uh, yeah, so uh, initially we uh, sent them an initial kind of like, you know, you're invited. This is what your gambit allocation is coming in. And then we have a few, depending on what their actions are, if they sign up, if they enter contests, we have a few funnel abandonment emails that we follow up with. And then we also have emails about the specific fantasy contests we might be having, some of the winner highlights we want to do, some of the testimonial highlights, things like that, uh, just to try to push them uh, uh, across the finish line if they haven't, you know, if they haven't signed up, if they haven't uh, played contests yet. Any one of those strategies seem to so far be working better than others? Uh, when you're showing people, I, you know, crypto is uh, is an industry where there's a lot of projects that, you know, are rug pulls. They've, you know, taken people's trust and abused it. And so when you show that people are winning, you show that people are getting rewards, 
I think for a lot of uh, our users, there's that light bulb or aha moment where they're like, oh, this is real, this is legit. Now I'm willing to spend a lot more of my time in it. And for us, sharing those winner stories, sharing, you know, some of our leaderboards and showcasing that, you know, they're winning actual, you know, monetary rewards has been uh, the most effective for us. And then, of course, we've been doing some exploration stuff as well, just to try to drive some urgency. Yeah, so driving the urgency, but then also sort of that personal story. So taking success stories from the app and saying like, hey, this person won this much, so it's possible. So you're sharing that kind of real, making, making it as real as possible, which, as you said, makes a lot of sense because the general sense I get is that there are a lot of people who feel like, wow, like crypto just like vanished <laughs> like yeah. uh, on me or, the, you know, this token disappeared or went to zero and, you know, they're not thrilled with this. So the word kind of has a little bit of a connotation there. Um, yeah, it's one of the challenges of launching a product in a bear market. Yeah. Um, so on your waitlist, so I, I talked about the sign-up page. Um, when, we, when you get to the waitlist page, uh, the statement is basically really simple. It's again, it's, it's a really, um, you're saying jump up the waitlist. Uh, you know, I've got my position when I joined. It tells me how many points I have. And then you're um, asking people to take some additional actions, like inviting friends, following on Twitter, joining Discord, like, um, you know, tweeting, liking the tweet. Um, have you seen like a, have you seen a jump, um, are people joining the discord channel? Have you seen a jump in followers or people taking those additional actions that you've noticed throughout the campaign? Uh, yeah, we saw a huge jump on both discord and Twitter. I think our uh, followers on both are up about 40%, uh, which has been great. Um, the engagement on our, on our discord and, uh, and on our Twitter has also increased. So they're not, it's not empty followers, which has been fantastic. Um, as I mentioned, we did an alpha waitlist and that waitlist announcement, uh, got about half the engagement of this one. So, you know, those, uh, you know, engaged to score points actions within kickoff labs have really, uh, paid out as well. Outstanding. Um, so how, since you're in the middle of the campaign, like, how did you how are you going about marketing the campaign so this is another question that you know again people can set up a kickoff labs campaign but if no one shows up at it no one signs up and then the campaign's not going to look very good so how how are you marketing how did you market the launch of the campaign i know you had an initial audience you had for this campaign you did have mm -hmm. some people you could email already um, but beyond you know sending out that one email saying like hey jump on our next wave for the beta like what have you guys done to market the campaign Sure, I'd say like really our central hubs have been Twitter and uh, media uh, and Medium and uh, Discord. Uh, we already had you know decent followings on on Twitter and Discord, and then just to really you know get a good uh, place to describe the uh, the mechanics of the of the waitlist, mechanics of the contest, how people are going to be invited in, what to expect, things like that. Medium has been a great place to point people. And then once we got our own channels kind of put together, we worked, we we sought out and worked with a bunch of our existing partners to start getting the word out, uh, start providing benefits to specific partners, and then um, and then you know making sure that we got relevant influencers to drive some users that you know made sense for this specific campaign. So most of it's been through friendlies right now, but we're certainly exploring additional uh, you know influencer campaigns in the in the European football world in the uh, crypto gaming space and uh, and you know in the just overall uh, overall kind of web3 builder space as well so the first thing you mentioned was kind of first party channels your discord your twitter mm -hmm. your medium on medium i heard that you were doing some uh, some customer education you know what the product was what the waitlist was like what the process was going to be like and mm -hmm. that's something consistent i've heard from other crypto projects that that's like really important in terms of making people feel safe um, 
what kind of things are you doing on Twitter and Discord that you think are growing uh, that are helping successfully kind of grow the audience? Um, a few things. On Discord, we started doing some meme contests uh, where we incentivize people to share specific memes around European football, around Gambit, around fantasy. And then we pick a few of them and share them on our socials and then reward those users with Gambit within our within our app. So that's been uh, one, one thing that we've been doing that's uh, been very helpful. Um, on the Twitter side, you know, it's really a lot more about that credibility and that education. So we've been creating kind of these small snackable infographics to share about our game, to share about our scoring system, to share about, um, you know, uh, specific, you know, winners and things like that. And all of that just across all the various channels we have, you know, I mentioned email earlier, but doing that stuff on our social, especially Twitter has been, you know, really helpful in continuing to provide the credibility of this crypto projects for real. And, you know, this is a game that, you know, you want to play, you want to get good at, and you want to, you know, continue, you know, playing to, playing to earn and playing to own, uh, you know, these crypto fantasy assets. Okay. And earlier, uh, early in the conversation, you mentioned uh, looking into doing things like retargeting once people were invited to the app, since you had some of that PII you'd captured from Kickoff Labs. So you have like, you could upload a list to like retargeting in Facebook or other tools and say like, hey, these people, can we get them into the app to engagement? Have you run any advertising just to get people on the list in the first place, or has the list been driven completely by that first party, then the partner influencer space? Yeah, the list has been pretty organic. You know, for us, you know, we're a startup. We're, uh, you know, in our beta, we're really, you know, looking to do things, uh, you know, with as much earned media as possible. And that's really, you know, what this list has given us. You know, we've seen, we, we've incentivized users through various mechanisms to, you know, invite as many friends as possible. We're doing another giveaway right now to get five additional, uh, you know, um, verified referrals. And all of that has been, you know, a lot, uh, a lot more effective than, you know, just going out and, you know, getting leads through, you know, lead formats and things like that. So, um, we haven't been to the point where I feel like we've needed to, you know, really lean into paid media. Uh, but the retargeting is, in my mind, just kind of expanding our channels past, you know, just email and, and our socials and Discord and things like that. Awesome. Um, so what's uh, what's been the, the best part about Kickoff Labs for you guys throughout this campaign so far? Um, it's got a lot of features out of the box, like the turnkey capabilities, I think, has been, you know, the best thing for us, you know, we're a small team right now and, you know, the ability to just plug in the tweet that you want uh, someone to like, and then, you know, that's immediately an action within your campaign. That type of thing has made setting up the campaign, monitoring the campaign and, you know, changing the incentivizations extremely easy. Um, and then there's also a few just small features that uh, like, you know, getting the getting the list started with a few uh, fake leads, you know, things like that, that we've really enjoyed, as well as the ability to set up some of these um, lead tags where we can take, for instance, uh, the number of contests that you played in our alpha and turn that into something that we've um, that, that we can score on our uh, on our leaderboard as well. Cool. So. Are you using the leaderboard behind the scenes then besides the the waitlist in terms of like, are you like, is that something that your customers see or is that something just for you guys kind of help measure the engagement through during the alpha and the beta? Um, they see it in terms of their position on the leaderboard and the total leaderboard mm -hmm. size. That's definitely helped in terms of people feeling like they're part of a project that, you know, is growing rapidly that, you know, is getting a lot more engagement than, you know, that 
their specific engagements can help them shoot up the leaderboard. But um, and then we're using the leaderboard behind the scenes to determine those invite waves. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's an interesting thing like that you mentioned. And we've had a couple other people do things like that where they're running these private contests on like the Discord server and then rewarding engagement for that. And that, that does become a, a great sort of self-amplification uh, system for a campaign. So it's good to hear uh, proof that uh, there's somebody else uh, using it, yeah. uh, that, that, that technique successfully as well. Um, so let's say, um, let's say I've got, you know, sort of like a online consumer app it doesn't necessarily have to be like fantasy, fantasies, um, fantasy sports or something, but let's say I've got like an online consumer focused app that I'm looking to launch. Like what advice would you give to that person who's looking to bring, you know, a similar sort of online game system, uh, to life? Aligning your value props with your with your incentives is the best advice I would give when creating, you know, a waitlist style campaign. Um, if you're trying to incentivize referrals, making sure that your value props uh, uh, kind of align with that in terms of why you would want to bring friends onto the system. And it's not just about the transactional monetary reward, uh, I think is probably the big, biggest advice I would give there, because if you're going to just be incentivizing based on you know the transactional nature of uh, of a waitlist or the transactional nature of your app. You're going to get you know transactional customers that aren't that loyal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I heard. Um, so I heard say like incentivize like have incentives that align with your goals and your audience's goals. So they're more excited about it as opposed to just something where you're being really transactional. Like we're just going to give you like you could just run this campaign and say we're just going to give you seventy five gambit. And that's yeah. it um, in at the campaign. But you're trying to make it more like a like game. They get early access. They get in. They get to give you feedback. They get to join the Discord channel. They're part of the community. You're trying to turn it into something like you said that's more than just a transactional. Like you know, join now and get access. Yeah, and and you know by getting specific access to you know special contests by getting in early and getting access to early player pricing that aligns these users a lot more with the game mechanics that we're building out and not just trying to get a you know um uh like a, a another user just on your account great um i know we, we touched on i want to go back because I, I missed this question so sure. we touched on earlier the um what you were doing to help activate people that you were bringing off of the the waitlist onto the onto the um, onto the the app, um, are you doing things for people during the waitlist who aren't in the app yet? Um, besides the Discord stuff we talked about, are you sending emails during the waitlist to like encourage like, hey, like there's still time to move up before the launch, or there's still time to get into the next wave? Are you sending those kind of emails throughout the campaign? Uh, yeah, actually, just sent one last night. Um... That's that's around a lot of the, you know, invite five users and you get, you know, uh, entered into a separate, uh, you know, crypto giveaway. And then you would also get an instant invite. So things like that, just to try to get people across the finish line um, where they feel like they're not stuck on the wait list, because we, we do recognize there's an attention half life. You get on a wait list and if you kind of, you know, wait too long, you know, the person's going to lose interest and go somewhere else. Like the wait list isn't the center of their universe. So we want to give them, you know, a few tasks that they can do to move up to get some instant rewards and stay interested in your project. So you're kind of highlighting tasks on like sort of say like a weekly basis to like encourage people to stay, stay engaged on the list. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, mo the most important task for us is inviting your friends. Yeah. 
And that's, inviting, that's ver- inviting verified friends, I would say. <laughs> yeah, inviting verified friends. Yeah, me and a hundred bots showed up for brunch. <laughs> exactly, and you know, you always come come through uh, some of the emails and see, you know, uh, name one, name two, name three, and you kind of just go down that at gmail.com. and you know, it's yep. we we did a manual come through as well, just to make sure that the users that we were inviting were going to be, you know, less body, a lot more, you know, engaged in what we're building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I imagine too, like you even have that concern within the app itself in terms of like people trying to gamify once they're in the app outside of the wait list, like the system to a certain extent, right? Oh, since day one. And, um, you know, we certainly put a lot of, uh, a, a lot of um, uh, tools in, in the system to try to prevent that kind of behavior. But, you know, we're always looking at our data. And, you know, when you see something that looks a little funny and you investigate it further, it's usually going to be, uh, you know, someone figured out a new way to exploit your system. <laughs> it's so always, it's, it's always, they, they never do it in an unobvious way. It seems like even today, I remember a way long ago conversation because I'm older <laughs> than most people, but, and one of the moderators on, uh, on Flickr at the time, uh, when it was still its own company, said, oh, it's really easy to flag porn on Flickr when people upload photos. And everybody's like, oh, how? How?" Because at the time, there wasn't like these AI algorithms scanning things right. and like looking for things. And he's like, oh, you just look for pictures that views that spiked a thousand times in one day. And that's always porn. It's like, as soon as the views spike and they're like, we just have to cut it off. <laughs> he's like, yeah, no I individual mean, photographer gets that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen, you know, similar, just weird, weird types of uh, behavior where, if the same, you know, if the same 200 users have the same lineup three weeks in a row, like the odds are that's not going to happen. So like, you know, those types of things we can flag and we can kind of figure out, all right, all right they're all coming from the same IP address or the same, you know, city and then kind of, you know, uh, hone in from there and figure out how to build something to prevent that behavior moving forward. Cool. Uh, what's uh, what's next for you guys? So you're doing these bigger waves, letting people in the app about how much longer do you anticipate that lasting? And then what do you guys, uh, what's the next next step? Well, we enjoy that there's at least a little bit of a gestation period of getting on the wait list. And then we can follow it up with some product marketing to make sure someone's, you know, ready to play when we're letting them in. And so I, I anticipate we're gonna have the wait list open a bit more, although it's gonna be a lot easier, you know, within the week to, to, to get into our product after you've seen some, you know, how to play and, you know, uh, what we're about uh, style content. Uh, moving forward, I mean, we have a pretty busy fall ahead of us. Uh, you know, European soccer is heating up, uh, and there's you know the World Cup in November. Uh, NBA returns in October, which I'm extremely excited about as a Knicks fan. And uh, you know, we are going to continue expanding different sports, and you know, listening to what our users want. And you know, right now. Uh, we're, you know, talking about things like cricket, things like esports, and, uh, you know, one of the great parts about Web3 is that these users have a stake in your project, they have voting rights, and we can really get a great feedback loop from them in order to determine the, you know, future course of our product. Awesome. Um, anything, uh, anything I didn't ask that you, uh, kind of think, like, maybe we should have touched on, uh, any, anything that, um, that you thought you were expecting to hear about that I didn't ask, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the verification process and the fraud controls were really great. Um, you know, we uh, like the fact that you can have you can really specify down to the number of users you want from a specific IP address was yeah. uh, was it was a great feature that we had because, you know, you have a lot of families uh, versus, you know, bot farms kind of competing with themselves. With that So that was definitely a feature that we uh, we, we utilized a lot and kind of compared the different lists based on 
those thresholds. Um, but other than that, I think we covered, you know, everything. Cool. Well, and it's been great having you today. Um, I know I learned a lot about the space and about how you guys are managing your wait list. Uh, and I know this will be beneficial to other people out there listening. So thanks for your time today. I'm glad to hear it. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, building Kickoff Labs. It's been great. No problem.